Every leader has a terminal condition. Every leader has an expiration date. Every leader knows he is eventually going to pass the baton of leadership. And so onward leaders are always thinking beyond their lifetimes. They're thinking about their legacy. They're thinking about who in the younger generation that I am quite sure is going to outlive me, can I open my hand and give the leadership to so that when I die, the movement doesn't die? Because onward leaders know soon they will be dead. Welcome to Resonate with Trent Griffith, Senior Pastor of Harvest Bible Chapel in Granger, Indiana. I'm Aaron Paulus. This month, we started a series that will take us all the way through the book of Joshua. We're following God's people as a journey toward the promised land. Last week, we learned that no matter how far we've come or what enemies we may have faced, the direction of the Christian life is onward. And just as the Israelites would learn, we too can move forward in faith by God's grace and according to His promises. Today, Pastor Trent takes us to some important principles of onward leadership from the example of Moses. Knowing that our days on earth are numbered, it's important to ask this question. What kind of legacy will we leave for future generations? Here's Pastor Trent. Take out your Bible, open it to the sixth book in your Bible. It's the book of Joshua. We started a brand new series verse by verse through the 24 chapters of the book of Joshua. We've entitled that series, Onward, Don't Stop Now. And the idea is this, no matter how far you've come, God always has something else in front of you He wants you to reach for. And I'm talking to some people right now that quite honestly, you haven't come all that far. This is all brand new to you, even thinking about Jesus. And maybe you kind of had an experience as a child, but you kind of wandered away from that. And quite honestly, the last 40 years of your life may look more like a wilderness than a promised land. And the promise for you is this, no matter how far you've wandered, it's time for you to go onward. There is something for God that God has for you to reach for. The big idea of last week's message was simply this. The direction of the Christian life is onward. So the big idea for this message related to that truth from last week is this. Here's the big idea. God prepares leaders to propel His people onward. God prepares leaders to propel His people onward. Do you know the direction of a leaderless people? Do you know what that direction is? That direction is stagnant. That direct direction is stop. And so God uses leaders to stir people to get moving in the right direction. And no matter who you are here this morning, you are a leader. You are. Turn to your neighbor and let them know. You are a leader. Did you know that? Some of you are looking at somebody like, I'm not quite sure they realize they're a leader. Turn back to them and say, you need to hear this message this morning. Okay? You're a leader. And guess what? Everybody here is also a follower because how many of you have a boss? How many of you have a boss? 
If you're, a, if, you're a, if, if you're living with parents, you have a boss, right? Okay. If you have a job, you have a boss. If you're a member of the church, you've got a spiritual leader. And it's a team called the elder team and the leadership team at the church. And so we're all followers at some level and we're all leaders at some level. The reason we're talking about leadership is because Joshua was a leader. He wasn't always a leader. At one point, he was simply a follower. So we're going to kind of look at the backstory of what he was and what he became and how he led. Let me just say this about leaders, okay? Anywhere you have a population of more than one, you need a leader. Anywhere you have a population of more than one, you need a leader. If you are married, how many of you are married? Raise your hands. Raise your hands. How many of you want to stay married? Okay. Um, You need a leader in the marriage. And it's the job of the leader in the marriage to say we're going onward. And we're going to lock arms together and we're going to face the challenges. You know what a leader does? A leader defines reality. No matter how chaotic it looks, no matter how troublesome, no matter how strong the enemies are, you know what the leader says? We can do this. A leader steps into chaos and says, stop freaking out. Follow me. I can get us out of this. That's what a leader does. He defines reality. A leader does this. He creates a compelling state of affairs that engenders fellowship. He says, this is what the reality is. Here is the solution, and here's how we're going to go. That's what a leader does. And every marriage needs a leader. Now, do you know who in the marriage God has designated as the leader? The husband is the leader of the marriage. Now, men, can I just talk to you? Just All right, ladies, you can just check out here for a second. Guys, I am quite sure that God did not designate me as the leader in my marriage because of my superior intellect, okay? I am quite sure it was not because of my winsome personality that God made me the leader. I am quite sure it is not my financial management skills, my ability to discern what's going on in the lives of the children. It is not my communication ability that determined God's designation of me as the leader or you. Do you know why God wants you to be the leader? Because He is painting a picture that He wants the world to see. It's called the gospel. What it looks like for Jesus to lead the church. God said that marriage, the husband, is the picture of Christ in the marriage. He's the bridegroom. And as Christ lovingly leads his bride, the church, it sends a message to the world of what our relationship to God should be like. So men, if you are not leading, you are not properly reflecting the picture God wants to paint in the marriage. And here's the thing. Your wife wants you to lead. Now, ladies, I know I told you to check out, but that was the time to check back in because I was expecting a round of amens at that point, okay? Would you like me to back up and give you another run at that? (laughs) Men, your wife wants you to lead. And when you don't lead, you force her to take leadership and pull pressure on herself that God designed you to carry. Men function best under pressure and responsibility. 
not from the wife, but from God to carry the weight in the marriage, to be the leader. Every place you have a population of more than one, you need a leader. So we've mentioned marriage, but schools need leaders and churches need leaders and small groups need leaders. Communities need leaders and sixth grade math classes need leaders. And I'm not talking about the teacher. I'm talking about Christian students that walk into the classroom and say, I am not just being forced to walk in here. I'm being sent by God to lead the culture and the environment and the conversation and the attitudes because I know the way God wants us to go. And so everybody here is a leader and a nation needs a leader. And can I just say this? The leader that thinks that the problems are political will come up with political solutions. But the leader that understands the problems are at the root, spiritual, will lean into God for spiritual solutions. So we need to be very careful. I don't know why people clap when I get on political topics. When I'm talking about the gospel all the time and you just sit there. Mm, 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 mm. I say something political, they're like, oh, let's go vote, you know? Hey, listen, you should vote. But here's the thing. You know, what the, you know what the big mistake of the people of Israel was in the Old Testament after Joshua actually got them into the promised land? This is kind of the next chapter, the next book in the Bible. The problem is they cried out for a political leader. And God gave them some horrible political leaders and said, you know what? You might want to look to me as the ultimate leader because here's the principle. Leadership is good. We're going to make a big deal about leadership here this morning. Leadership is good, but leadership is not God. Back in 1998, there was a book that came out that completely revolutionized a genre of publishing. The book was called The 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership by John Maxwell. Great book. I have benefited from that book. It launched book after book after book. And there's a whole, you go to Barnes and Noble or on Amazon, there, there's a whole section of leadership books. You come back six months, all those books are gone. And there'll be a whole new, another section of, of books because everybody's got thoughts on leadership. Everybody wants to be a leader. Everybody wants to learn to lead. But if you're not careful, you can actually make leadership an idol in your life and stop short of allowing God to not only be leader, but Lord of every area. Everywhere there's a population of more than one, you need a leader. And God provided a leader named Joshua to his people that were aimlessly wandering in the wilderness. And so we're going to kind of see this and we're gonna, let's get into the Bible. I've talked way too long before we have read some scripture. So let's do that right now. Joshua chapter one. I'm just going to read the first five verses here. It says this. And after the death of Moses, Moses was the leader for 40 years, getting the people out of Egypt. He got them into the wilderness. They're wandering around. Moses sends and so it cut short his leadership. Side note, sin will cut short your leadership. Moses was not able to take them to the place God wanted them to go. He was going to raise up another leader named Joshua to take them to a place Moses couldn't take them. And so in verse 1, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant. Everybody just underline the word assistant there in verse 1. Very important word. We'll come back to it. Verse 2. Moses, my servant, is dead. Not a whole lot of compassion in God's voice as he says that. You know, he's just, Moses is dead. 
How's Moses doing today? He's dead. He's having a great day in heaven, but he's not going to be a whole lot of use on earth anymore because Moses is dead. Just turn to your neighbor and say, one day you're going to be dead. Aren't you glad you came to Harvest Bible Chapel this morning? We're just here to encourage you to have a wonderful week, okay? But that is a very important principle for leadership, to understand one day they will say about me what God said about Moses, he's dead. You're loved. Verse 2. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I am giving them to the people of Israel. Do you see what God is saying? Moses was dead, but God was not dead. Moses was dead, but the movement was not dead. Any movement that dies when the leader dies proves there was a failure in the leadership. Moses was dead. Great. Next, Joshua, arise. Go into this land, verse 3, every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I will give to you, just as I promised to Moses, from the wilderness to this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, to the great sea, toward the going down of the sun, shall be your territory, verse 5. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life, just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous. Let's stop right there. Here's four principles that we're going to learn this morning about onward leadership. First of all, onward leaders are committed to multiplying other onward leaders. Why? Because onward leaders know soon they will be dead. Every leader has a terminal condition. Every leader has an expiration date. Every leader knows he is eventually going to pass the baton of leadership. And so onward leaders are always thinking beyond their lifetimes. They're thinking about their legacy. They're thinking about who in the younger generation that I am quite sure is going to outlive me, can I open my hand and give the leadership to so that when I die, the movement doesn't die. They're always thinking about what happens when I drop dead. I, I know that you think I'm making fun of this, but I am not. One day I will preach your funeral if I'm younger than you. And um, we'll, we'll cry and we'll say some nice things about you, but eventually we'll all just end up back at the church eating potato salads and we're going to have to think about what's next, okay? And so if you're a good leader, you are always looking for someone younger than you to infect with the mission that you want to carry on after you. That's what Moses did. Moses was an onward leader. And God told Moses he was going to die. You're not going into the promised land. And God told Moses who to pass the baton to. In Deuteronomy chapter 3, we read this verse. God talking to Moses. And he says, charge Joshua and encourage him and strengthen him. For he shall go over at the head of this people. 
and he shall put them in possession of the land that you shall see. Moses was able to see the land. He just wasn't able to possess the land. Joshua was going to take his people onward to a place Moses couldn't get them. And there were three things that God told him to do. First of all, charge them. You know what an onward leader does? He finds a faithful follower who is usually undeveloped, timid, but hanging close enough to the leader that he sees potential. And he charges him as a follower to come into leadership. He reaches down into the heart of the follower and calls out the leader. That's what an onward leader does. Secondly, he encourages him. Not only does he call something out of a follower, he puts something into the follower. What is it? Courage. We're going to find that one of the greatest characteristics of Joshua is courage. Where did that courage come from? Way back in Deuteronomy chapter 3, Moses got an assignment. You know what you're going to do for 40 years? You're going to be pumping courage into this faithful follower. And then the third thing, third thing is he was supposed to strengthen him. He was supposed to give him core competencies he's going to need to lead. Maybe there were some skills that needed to be developed, some equipping that needed to be done, and certainly there was some spiritual muscle that needed to be developed so that he could carry the weight that is required by a leader. So if you are an onward leader, you are always looking for someone younger than you to charge, encourage, and strengthen. It's exactly what Moses did. Moses was a contagious leader. He was always looking for someone to infect with the virus he was carrying. What's that new virus that's happening right now in Central America? What's that called? The Zika virus? Is, does anybody here have? If you have that, um, you are loved, but you are dismissed. Okay, we, we are not interested in being uh, uh, getting what you have. All right? But an onward leader is always looking for someone that he can transmit the virus, so that someone else can be a carrier of what he has been infected with. And if you're a Christian, you're a carrier of the virus of the gospel. And the great thing about this virus is it doesn't kill, it cures the sin and the virus of sin that we already have. And so that's why I say, if you're a Christian, you're a leader. You're always looking for someone that you can charge with the gospel, encourage with the gospel, strengthen them with the gospel so that we can and they can go onward into the land God wants them to, to possess. A land that you heard so great a description of by those who were baptized. Like, I'm happier than I've ever been. It's hard. It's tough. You get beat up on social media. But by the way, if you're looking to social media for affirmation, you might want to look at a different place. This might be a good place to look for affirmation of what God's doing. And that's what a leader does. He is looking for someone that he can open his hand to and infect with the gospel. It reminds me of this verse over in the New Testament. Paul was the greatest carrier of the gospel that ever lived. And he found a younger leader... And in the last book that he wrote before Paul died, he writes this, What you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses entrust to faithful men. 
who will be able to teach others also. And so notice in this verse how many generations are mentioned. Paul was not just interested in handing off the baton to the next generation, Timothy. He wanted Timothy to know, Timothy, one day you're going to be dead. You need to find some guys, hand that off, and one day you're going to be dead. Hand that off. And because there have been faithful leaders handing off the gospel for over 2,000 years, we're all here today, and you know what we're trying to do? We're trying to hand it off to you so that you can go hand it off to somebody else and we can continue the movement that is a relationship with Jesus by faith and repentance through the power of the cross. We've sung about it here this morning. Are you a faithful carrier of the gospel? My friend Nancy DeMoss Walgamuth shares the story about how when she was a 21-year-old girl, she got a phone call and learned that her 53-year-old father had suddenly dropped dead of a heart attack, totally unexpected, leaving her 40-year-old mother with seven children between the ages of 8 and 21. And she describes the story, how she remembers the memorial service, how her mom lined up the children on the front row of that memorial service with her father there in the casket. Dr. Jerry Falwell gave the memorial service sermon, and this is what he said in his opening prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we are reminded of those inspired words, Moses, your servant, is dead. Now therefore arise and go over this Jordan, thou and all this people. That is what we wish to do, but we need your help. Help us then even tonight to hear what we need to hear, to feel what we need to feel in order that we may go out of here this evening and over this Jordan and those Jordans that are yet to come. That the work of our Lord manifested through this thy servant Arthur DeMoss might be extended through us. May many Joshuas be raised up here tonight, men and women who would not have been raised up had art not fallen and caused that the greater day of fruitfulness and evangelism and expansion of the kingdom of God be affected because contrary to our logic, your ways are far above our ways and they have prevailed in Jesus' name asking for this dear family to have grace beyond anything we can imagine. Amen. And as a result, I believe God's answered that prayer and the gospel's gone on through that family and even through the ministry that Nancy has had that has even touched more lives than art ever touched. And so are you an onward leader always looking to multiply the next generation of onward leaders? Number two, onward leaders are made from faithful followers. Do you see it there in verse 1? The simple description that God gives to Joshua in relation to Moses was assistant. Can you imagine Moses and Joshua introducing themselves to maybe some new people in Israel? Hi, I'm Moses. I'm the leader. Nice to meet you. Who are you? I'm his assistant. Is that all? Yeah, for now, that's all. Do you know how long... Joshua was Moses' assistant? Forty years. Hi, I'm his assistant. What do you do? I just assist him. That's, that's what I do. 
It's what I was created to do. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it happily because I believe in the leader. And I want to go onward. And the best use of me right now is not to be the leader. It is to be the assistant to the leader. What do you think Joshua saw in Moses that created the kind of contentment it takes to be an assistant for 40 years? I believe that Joshua saw greatness in Moses. That's what a great follower does. He finds someone in whom he sees greatness. I, I thought about my, uh, my former youth pastor this week. I, I still follow him on Facebook. And uh, he's now a 57-year-old man. It's, it, it's weird to think of your youth pastor as being a 57-year-old man, but then again, it's kind of hard to think of me being a 48-year-old man. So uh, I, can, I can digest that a little bit. But I saw a Facebook post. He's now a pastor in, um, in Fort Smith, Arkansas. And he proudly announced on Facebook that he had finished his bachelor's degree in biblical studies this week. And I thought, I didn't know you didn't have one. Because I sure learned a lot of Bible from the guy who didn't officially have the education that he now has pursued and obtained. And um, I, I've thought about, you know, I, I learned to study the Bible from watching my youth pastor teaches the Bible on Wednesday night. I just keep showing up. And you know what I became? I became his assistant. I, which means can you being an assistant of a youth pastor? I mean, Youth pastor's pretty low on the totem pole anyway. I don't know where Tyler is, but he knows. And, uh, and, and I'm just going to be that guy's assistant, you know? What does that mean? Yeah, I get to, you know, hand out basketballs in the gym, you know, and, and inflate the, you know, rubber duckies that we're using for the youth game or whatever on Wednesday night. But that's what I love to do. And I, 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 didn't, I didn't have any idea I'd be doing today what I was doing then, but I was just an assistant. Are, are you content to be? the assistant of a great leader? Have you found someone that you believe has greatness and you've tucked yourself under their leadership? Another thing that it takes is patience. Incredible patience to wait and, end, and understanding that in the waiting, God is preparing another leader. Another thing it takes is it, it takes incredible humility to say, you know what? I am in a position that God has appointed me to, and I'm not going to pursue a position. What I'm going to do is I'm going to value influence. Do you understand the difference between a position of leadership and a position of influence? It's usually just a line on the organizational chart, but it's very possible that the assistant has more influence than the guy that has the position. And as the guy that has the position watches the guy who is the assistant influence those under him, guess what the leader is likely to do? Grab the follower and elevate his position. Well, I hope you'll join us next week on Resonate when we hear more from Pastor Trent Griffith on what it means to be a great follower. If you've been challenged and encouraged by Pastor Trent Griffith's teaching, and if you're looking for a church that proclaims the Word of God with boldness each week, we invite you to join us at a weekend worship service on one of our two campuses in Granger, Indiana, or St. Joseph, Michigan. You can find service times and campus locations on our website. 
And if you're a Resonate listener living in Elkhart County, looking for a vertical church in your own community, we'd love to hear from you. Just fill out the form at harvestgranger.org slash Elkhart, and we'll keep you posted with updates as we explore the possibility of an extension campus near you. Well, I'm Aaron Paulus. Thanks for joining us today. And I hope that God's word will resonate in your heart and mind this week. Resonate is a radio ministry of Harvest Bible Chapel, Granger, harvestgranger.org.